Next on BYU Sports Nation, final exam Friday in Studio B. What have you learned about BYU football this spring? ESPN Outside the Lines reporter Tom Ferry tells us what he learned with Jim Fredette in China ahead of Sunday's debut of his piece on The Lonely Master. Jimo Dachen, plus former BYU football linebacker turned personal trainer Jordan Pendleton on the Cougars who helped themselves the most during Pro Day. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by... The BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Friday, BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, March 31st. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the assistant to... The Lonely Master, Jerem Jordan. Hey, I'll take that. I'll take that to Jimo Dachan. Nice baseball jersey, by oh, the way. Someone gave me this, so I'm wearing it. Are you wearing it because you're feeling optimistic about what BYU baseball did yesterday? Uh, no, it just happened. I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> There's no optimism involved. It's just, hey, BYU won. I was just what asking a, what, if, yeah. if their win prompted you yes. to wear the baseball jersey. Yes. So it did have a factor in that. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Bad Cats, man. That was a fun game to watch, too. The delay was not fun. But the uh, first couple innings, man. Boom, 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 boom. Back Who forth, doesn't back want forth. four hours of baseball, right? Well, generally in March, <laughs> no. More like in October, I'd be fine with that. That was a fun game. And even better for BYU because that long game nice after win. the rain delay ended in a quality win. By the way, we love that you all tweet at us. At Jerem Jordan, at Spencer underscore Linton, and mostly at BYU Sports Nation. Well, most of the, I'm not going to say all the tweets. When something fun happens, especially that is rivalry themed, we got the following from at var underscore black. We took family pictures the other day. These two cousins were supposed to share the ball. My son felt different. It's a picture <laughs> of a kid in a Utah shirt crying, and then another kid in a BYU shirt, and he is taking the ball from the Ute. That is the seventh turnover in the last two games forced. By the BYU defense against Utah. Unfortunately, that didn't yield a win. But, hey, I think this might be the first sign of change in 2017, right? If you recall a few years ago, Mitch Harper, I think his kid and a cousin did that too. Do you remember that? Yeah, except it was like a punch in the face or something, right? Or a hand in the face. We probably shouldn't bring up BYU-Utah and punch in the face. Like, <laughs> right? Hey, I wasn't Ryan, going there. On. I was just talking about the babies, man. It was in the same sentence. There was like a comma or two between them. Too easy. Come on. Anyway. That was Y Awards material right there. We love it. At VAR underscore black and everybody else. That's funny. That uh, when you see something like that, please share it with BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, if it's football and it has to do with Utah, yeah, send it in. Send it in! That was the best play BYU's made since Francis Bernard's interception. Bring on the headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. Today marks the 15th and final spring practice for BYU football. It also happens to be Alumni Day. Receiver Eric Drage, all-time great at BYU in the early 90s, will join us on tomorrow's LDS General Conference pregame show. Baseball defeated St. Mary's yesterday 7-6 after West Coast Conference freshman of the year Keaton Kringlin hit a two-run inside the park homer in the seventh inning. There is some movement now for St. Mary's in the bullpen. Kringlin 
And that ball will get past a diving Vranish and go all the way to the wall. Kringlin rounding second. He's going to be waved around third, and Keaton Kringlin is going to have an inside the park home run. And a stand-up homer, no less. Nice call there. The right fielder, it got past him. Joe Vranish, I believe is the right fielder's name. Yeah. And, and that's a bummer. Like, he's trying to come up and make a play. It was really wet. Keaton Kringlin reminded me of the old women in Three Amigos. So like the wind, old one. And he <laughs> runs around the bases, a stand-up inside. That was the game-winning hit and run. That was huge because it happened right before the rain delay, and so the mental advantage, just like that, switched over to BYU up 7-6, to six, going into the eighth inning, rain delay. They came out, Keaton Cena Tiempo yeah, was a stud from the mound. They close out a quality win. Now that play makes for a very interesting stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Keaton Kringlin's inside the park home run was the first in eight years for BYU football. The last one was my dude Stetson Banks in 2009 against Utah Valley. So it's been a while, and there's only been two since the year since the year 2000. It does not happen often is the point. And it, the fact that it was the game winner makes game it winner in the all seventh. the better. And then there was this 55-minute delay after that. But BYU <laughs> was up, man. Yeah, that was a fun game. So 8 Eastern tonight, the two teams play again live on BYU TV and the app. That was St. Mary's first loss in conference. They swept Portland to open things up. And uh, BYU well, takes care of a team that's 17-7, and seven, now 17-8. and eight. Hey, there you go. 25th-ranked BYU softball. Listen to this. Lost one to nothing to third-ranked Oregon in Eugene yesterday. Oregon is number one in another poll. The sole run was unearned from the Ducks, and it came in the sixth inning. Pitcher McKenna Bull, outstanding. Eight strikeouts. The Cougars play Oregon State today at 4 Eastern. Oregon's 30-0. They were this close to losing for the first time. Mitch Matthews signed with the Minnesota Vikings. A free agent deal. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> Matthews is one of eight wide receivers on the Minnesota roster. He's not guaranteed a roster spot, but will have the opportunity to earn one both in the offseason as well in training camp. So good luck to Mitch Matthews with the Vikings. Hashtag Skull. Yeah, he sent out uh, an Instagram photo standing in front of uh, Chris Carter's jersey in the Vikings' offices. So, yeah, good luck to Mitch. Also, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Ahern Rentals. Your next job is our priority. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Spring football final exam. It is the final practice of 2017 spring football for BYU, year number two for Kalani Satake, the head coach, and his staff firmly in place. The thing is, from one year to the next, you feel like you make a pretty good jump. But as we stand back and look at what we have seen with our own eyes, specifically this spring, how much do we know after 15 spring football practices and the first ever spring football scrimmage broadcast? On BYU TV, that brings us to today's Twitter question. What have we learned about BYU football this spring? Use the hashtag BYUSN at uh, Devinick, Devin CKA22. How about that? This is Mangum's team, and he is stepping up to it. I love his confidence and savvy, and so do his teammates and coaches. Now, uh, one thought around Tanner Mangum is we know what he did in 2015 in a different offense with a different coaching staff. So far... um, in the games he's played in 2016 in mop-up duty, and then as the starter later, 
weather hasn't helped his cause, but I haven't seen anything that makes me think like, okay, there's been like a step forward. I don't think he stepped backwards, but I'm not sure I've seen enough to go, hey, he's improving at a quick rate and he's totally ready. I want to see that in August in fall camp, and then I want to see it early in some of those games. So I, I guess I have maybe more questions than answers from spring with that particular subject. Yeah, the hard part about that is we don't get to see a ton of BYU football specific to the spring. We just have to take the coach's word for it. And Ty Detmer told us yeah. that Tanner's been 80% passing in Skelly and drills and 70% in all the other 11-11 drills. Well, he, they, he's There's saying no he, he has seen significant improvement in Tanner Mangum. That's okay. the offensive coordinator. By yeah, his good. standards, he has seen significant improvement. Yet, is he going to, like, let's say that there was a particular player that was just awful in spring. He would not come out and say, this guy has sucked in spring. He's been so bad. Like, he's not going to call him out I'm like that, I'm not so right? sure he would use those words. But I don't think the staff I'm, is afraid to I'm call ex- out some I'm exa- of the I'm saying players. that exactly. They would not say that. That's my point. Um, I think we haven't learned a lot about offensive playmakers yet. I think in the games we'll know, okay, these are the guys that are running back. Like, the, there's like six dudes, but you're not going to have six guys consistently running the ball. Who are the receivers? So I think Matt, Matt Bushman could be a guy that is somebody in the fall. We'll see. MLP, we know what he can bring to the table. Moroni, Laulupututau. But here's the thing that I've learned in spring. I, I've learned that the defense is going to carry this team yet again. They're going to turn the ball over. Their scoring defense is going to be good. They were top 15 in both of that last year. I think the BYU returns enough playmakers. Still individual questions. Who replaces kind of Kua? Is BYU going to get a better pass rush, and who's going to do that? But I think the BYU defense is good. The spring game showed us some stuff. We're hearing good things from this defense. They've made a switch in the coaching staff where Elias Tuiaki coaches the D-line now, Kafusi the linebacker. So I think that's what I've learned, that the defense is going to carry this team yet again. I'm going to start with this. Playing football in the rain stinks. That has been uh, re-emphasized in my mind after the Poinsettia Bowl and the spring football scrimmage. Yeah, the rain does not help Tanner Mangum's situation when he has to throw the ball and whatnot. But, joking aside, I feel like the coaches are much more confident in their specific roles, which translates to more instruction time one-on-one for the players. Now that they have figured out what they want to do as individuals and as a staff, more so than last year when they were transitioning in, that will translate on the field. Players will be able to show that they have perfected their crafts that much more, starting with Tanner Mangum, which is the number two thing that I've learned. His dedication level to learning the offense has really shown through. I am basing that opinion largely off of my conversations with the coaching staff and Ty Detmer, but I trust Ty Detmer. So if he says to me, Spencer, he is... Worlds apart from where he was mentally last year. He is dedicated to the craft. He's coming in every single day, watching a ton of film, working on all those little things, and it's going to make a difference. Then It's going or it is? It is making a difference. Okay. I should say. Because going, we can always project positive. Yes, but... But what's happening right now? The games haven't happened, right? Yes. But now... But we're talking about spring football. In spring football, it has made an impact. Also, Matt Bushman, the spring game MVP, looks like Buzz McAllister from Home Alone. Buzz's girlfriend. Whoa. We did learn that. And that he's got he's but not Matt Bushman. He's excited a lot of people. He's excited a lot of people with uh, the little bit that they saw from him in the spring game. And I think that the BYU linebackers are gonna be outstanding. They will be outstanding because in their field. They are back, they are ready, they are confident, they know what 
Eli Satuiaki wants them to do, they're going to be the, uh, the emphasis of this defense. I'm excited about what they have done this spring and what they will do this fall. The question marks are on the uh, D-line. Can BYU get a pass rush? And in the secondary, kind of who replaces Kai Nakua, right? Who, who can make some plays? What can BYU do to make up for his I wish we had learned more that's... about those questions. Yeah. And, and it doesn't... Yeah, you know, it doesn't help that they hold practice while we're on the air. <laughs> so we can't go, we can't even go and watch, right? But, no, we talked to the coaches, we talked to players. There's good vibes. I think that there's been some growth. Ultimately, we're going to find out when the games are played, but we start to get some of the answers to those questions. The last thing we have collectively learned is we are one day closer. Countdown to the Vikings. 148. <laughs> it might work. I don't know. That was like, you know, round hole square peg deal. But We're trying to bring in an element of the original we're, countdown into the new music. Yeah, we're like BYU football. There's a little bit of experimentation, yeah. role change, differential. We're getting there. Fresh angles. Yeah. Keep it rolling on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. What have you learned about BYU football this spring at BruteDR says the tight end returns to BYU. And number two, Tanner's ready to roll. Coming up next, we talk about drills and strength training with a guy who knows them at a new level, BYU linebacker and trainer Jordan Pendleton. This is BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Ahern Rental. Your next job is our priority. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. The official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, the party's here on the west side. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation jumping right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation and use the hashtag BYUSN. We want to get to 20,000 followers, and we're almost there. 20? How about 200,000? Okay. BYUSN. We have a conference special tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll talk to Jimo Dashen, a.k.a. Jimmer Fredette. Eric Drage will be on the program as well for BYU wide receiver. Tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, the pregame show for LDS General Conference, if you will. Our Friday Twitter question, it's a final exam of sorts. What have I, we learned? When you say that, like, I get anxiety. I'm like, <laughs> what? A te- why? No. <laughs> what have we learned about BYU football this spring? At 86WIKook tweets in, Going off what coaches are saying, the offensive and defensive lines are beasts. Linebackers and secondary experienced and can fly around. Quarterback knows the offense and need running backs and wide receivers to step up. That's a pretty good synopsis, right? Another like academic word. Like let, this is a sports show. Let's just keep Jerem, it to a minimum. Jerem, I know, dude. You gotta. I did broadcasting. Calm I had down, no, man. no math class at BYU. It was down. so awesome. Right now, if I were to give you a final exam on spring football, what would you get? I'd give you a stop acting like my teacher. <laughs> Great. Sports show, bro. Let's go, man. Let's lift some weights and stuff. Okay. Hey, that's uh, an operative phrase for our next guest. Joining us now, Jordan Pendleton, former BYU standout linebacker turned personal trainer, a guy that a lot of BYU players, current and former, are going to to help them go next level with their training to play football at the next level. Welcome back to Studio B, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You, bar- you barely fit behind this desk, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a little snug, a little- but we're good. A little snug. Hey, it was fun to watch uh, a number of guys that you have personally trained at BYU's Pro Day, namely Andrew Eide and then the Jurgens twins, Mitch and Garrett. From your perspective, how did things go for them trying to impress those pro scouts? 
it, it went really well. You know, Andrew Idy, um, you know, someone who who went in, you know, this draft class, the offensive line is probably the weakest it's been in a while. And so for him, you know, putting up big numbers at Pro Day was going to be very important for him. And he tested top five in every single category um, in the nation, in the country. And so mm-hmm. that really helped him. Um, for him, you know, he's newer. He was he was newer at offensive tackle this year. So um, scouts are looking at him for uh, it's more um, – potential than you know what his performance was last year knowing that he's still new at the position and so you know he started transitioning to play center and guard which I think is a more natural fit for him and um, you know he absolutely killed it um, killed it at the pro day the Jurgens twins did really good as well I think for me I think Mitchell was one of the most underrated players on BYU you know he came up with tons of good um, big time plays. He was clutch, big, right? He's super clutch. I mean, if it was third down and you need someone to go to that was going to make uh, make a clutch catch, it was Mitch. And <clears throat> you know, pound for pound, those two are some of the strongest guys I've ever trained. I mean, Garrett put up twenty one on the bench, and there wasn't another receiver in the country that um, that uh, there was maybe one that put up. 20 and it's like some 6'3", 220 pound dude and right. he's 185 pounds putting up 21 and so <laughs> you know super strong Mitch with the 37 inch vertical I think proved that wow. you know he has the athleticism to go along with it and you know it helps to have teams like the Patriots right now who are utilizing guys like Edelman, Amendola, some mm-hmm. of the, uh, the the Cowboys with with Beasley, some of these slot receivers that are, are super um, tough to to cover, you put a linebacker on them; they're too quick, they're too small. Um, you put a corner on them, and obviously they're they're strong as well. So they can uh, it's a mismatch for for anyone, and so I think that is helping guys like like the Jurgens get noticed and get looked at more. Speaking of speed, why though? By the way, j- this just happened uh, about six minutes ago. Tatenda Tsumba, who is an Olympian at BYU for Zimbabwe, he just ran a non-win aided ten nineteen in the one hundred six all time BYU. That just happened. Speaking of speed, yeah, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's pretty fast. <laughs> so, so you've helped these guys in these drills. Help us understand what it takes to not only train these guys for these drills, but how those drills translate to football and why that matters so much to scouts. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. It's kind of a controversial topic because some of these drills really at the end of the day don't apply to football whatsoever I mean you look at Jamal Williams who was at BYU's pro day now he didn't have the craziest numbers right I mean not that you would expect from a a big explosive running back but you watch him on tape and on film and it really doesn't matter what his numbers are and so um for you know for this testing it's more about guys who are borderline guys who they need to go and show – I mean, let's face it. If you're – you got a receiver at BYU and you got a receiver at another school and they have equal talent, it's easy for a scout to say, all right, well, who's faster? Because we'll take that guy. Yeah. You know, So the measurables at Pro Day are important because it gives scouts an easier way to you know, base – you know, their evaluation off of, off of these athletes. And so, you know, I think most importantly too, per position, depending on what drills they're running, some are more important than others, you know, like the bench press, not important. You see Taysom Hill running right there. We don't really care how much Taysom can bench. He's a quarterback, you know, but is he good on the the three cone and the shuttle? Can he move in the pocket? Can he move, you know, side to side, change direction? Um, Is he explosive? So, 
you know, some some of these tests matters more for certain positions than others. Um, but it's just a good way to um, showcase your skills, showcase your talent, and help you um, raise your stock um, in the draft and potentially get drafted. And if not, hopefully get picked up as a free agent and, and get a chance at the next level. How reliable are the numbers that come out of a given pro day at any individual school? It, this is this is a hard topic for me because, um, you know, I wish they would do all laser time because what you, what happens is you get some seventy year old scout that's there working the, with the, the shaky stopwatch hand with the shaky hands. You know, <laughs> he needs a little bit more coffee and or should I say, uh, uh, caffeine free diet coke? Right, <laughs> you get plenty of that around here. Okay, yeah. to to get his hand working a little bit faster. But no, it's frustrating. Um, you know, you got some like like my guys, for instance, on some of their drills, they were two to three tenths of a second slower at, at pro day, and that's a big deal. And that's a huge deal. It's the difference between being elite and just getting a decent number, and it might be the difference of maybe you know a foot, but that time has, I mean, it's it's invaluable. You know, it's so valuable, and so you know, it's it kind of sucks. I wish we would go all laser time because depending on who the scout is and and, you know, if you stop it one-tenth of a second slower or faster, for that matter, it could completely, can completely mess up your time. And so I think, you know, I'll just, for instance, Mitch Matthews was in training with us too. The Jurgens brothers were actually quicker than him on the three-cone and the shuttle throughout our entire three months of training. Mitch went and did his combine, and he did, uh, it was all laser time. He got faster on his three-cone and shuttle than the Jurgens twins did at Pro Day. But there's no way that he, I mean, he hadn't been getting faster than them, you know, three months. I mean, the Jurgens were, that was their drill. Consistently faster. Consistently. Now, he was faster in the 40, the straight ahead, but the shuttle and the three cone, the Jurgens consistently were better than Mitch the whole time. But they actually ended up getting two tenths of a second slower than Mitch at Pro Day. And so I wish there was a better system. You know, it's kind of hard to see these guys train specifically for these drills for three months and then not get a time. Now, the things that we all improved on were, was the stuff that the scouts couldn't control, the vertical jump, the broad jump. You you either jump and you hit the pins or you don't. Right. So how high you jump, they can't time that. You know, you either jump high or you don't. And all that stuff, you we improved tremendously. The bench press, we improved tremendously. And then the three-cone and shuttle, we still made improvements, but it wasn't as good as – it could have been, and a lot of it has to go with you know who's working the stopwatch. It, you know, it's kind of frustrating. Mitch Matthews uh, worked through you as well as you mentioned. He just signed with the Vikings. What did that mean for you to kind of help him on that path? Well, it was it was a it was a tough path, and I don't think anybody realizes what, what like what went into it. You know, Mitch had pulled his hamstring uh, playing with the Cleveland Browns back in uh, November, and they let him go, and so he's been in for five months every day doing this and so you know it kind of gets to a point where you're training and you're like what am I training for at this point like am I going to get picked up and he had a couple workouts with teams during the process like the Packers had flown him out Uh, he went out and and worked out with the St. Louis Rams nothing had had come of it and so you kind of get to the point where you're like do I just call it quits and and move on and start my next chapter or do I keep training and, and try to get noticed? So we, we hit a tipping point about, I think, mid-January. 
um, he had gotten an invite to the NFL Vet Combine, which they hold in uh, Arizona. It's a combine where uh, you, you know, your NFL free agents um, can get invited to. It's an invitation. It's an invitation only. And I said, you know what? I said, if you just sit and train with me and we just sit and train and no one sees you, it's going to be a lot harder for you to get noticed than showing up and, and running a good time. I said, Our, your times are great right now. Why don't we show up and run an awesome time at this thing? And, and if scouts are there and if teams are there, they're going to see you. And if they, if they see you, it's going to give you a better chance to get noticed. And so, um, you know, we started training specifically for the combine and he was putting up awesome 40 times and we were getting his, his other drills down. And so we decided to do it and, you know, he went up and I think he had one of the fastest 40 times there. And, you know, three days later he got signed. Wow. And so the Vikings snagged him up and, so it was kind of awesome, but you know there there was a it was a long process. We had to get his hamstring um, healthy again, and 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 you know after the, we decided to give it a go, it was full go, and it ended up working out for him. But you know five months of of work to get to that point. Wow. So. Which BYU player, at least that is not Mitch Matthews and trying to get noticed by the NFL for the first time ever, do you think helped themselves the most or themselves the most at this last pro day? <clears throat> yeah, I would say uh, Nakua for sure. You know, because he was such a big time playmaker, um, he was always in the right spots at the right time. You, obviously, we knew how many interceptions he would make. It seemed like he had one every single game, if not two every single game. Um, but I never realized how explosive he was. Like, I kind of compared him to Andrew Rich, where Andrew Rich made so many plays. He was such a great safety for us. But, you know, it's not like he was a cruiser, right? I mean, he might he may have ran like a four seven or four six something forty yard dash. So when I saw Kai's numbers and you know what he posted up at at pro day, he blew me away because I didn't know he was jumping that high and I didn't know he could run that fast. And so I think that as a safety and the amount of plays he made and explosive plays he made, there's him getting up right there. Um, I think it helped him tremendously because of what a, a good playmaker he is. Jordan, it's been great to talk to you, man. Uh, you brought up the point that it had been almost two years since you've been in here, so yeah. we, we won't make that mistake again. Yeah, let's bring yeah, you in man. a little sooner. Jeez. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness not, sakes. Not going to say no to those arms. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, uh, we appreciate the insight and uh, great work with uh, what you're doing with these players. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, guys. What have we learned about BYU football this spring? That is our Twitter question today at J underscore Royal 09 says tight ends and running backs have depth this year. However, still worried about wide receivers. Yeah, a lot of the coaches specifically pointing out to wide receivers that they need someone to step up. Coming up, we talk to the man behind the new episode of ESPN's Outside the Lines, the Lonely Master. Jimmer Fredette in China, ESPN correspondent Tom Ferry next. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by Tecano's Brazilian Grill. Escape the ordinary. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. We're also on demand anytime, anywhere. In fact, if you missed our interview with Jordan Pendleton talking about BYU's pro day performances, he's a guy that understands the nitty-gritty of all of that. You can catch that interview and more on the BYU TV or BYU Radio app's or download the podcast. Always nice to talk to a guy that, when he was on the football field, you weren't sure if he was a little bit crazy or completely with it. 
Yeah, and I still think that to some degree. I love Jordan. <laughs> I love Jordan. He's great. Hey, baseball plays St. Mary's tonight, game two. If you missed last night's game, oh, an incredible game. BYU won 7-6, an incredible play made by Keaton Kringlin. More on that coming up. Uh, but game two, 8 Eastern time on BYU TV and the app with Spencer Linton, Gary Shidey, and Jason Shepard. Refreshing today's BYUSN headlines. Today marks the 15th and final spring practice for BYU football version 2017. It's also Alumni Day. Receiver Eric Drage, all-time great at BYU, will join us on tomorrow's LDS General Conference pregame show or countdown to conference. And baseball, as mentioned, defeated St. Mary's yesterday 7-6 after West Coast Conference freshman of the year Keaton Kringlin hit a two-run inside-the-park homer in the seventh inning, that was the game-winning hit and run. The Batcats, as mentioned, 8 Eastern time, game two tonight on BYU TV and the app. BYU softball ranked 25th, lost one nothing at third-ranked Oregon in Eugene yesterday. The sole run was unearned from the Ducks and came in the sixth inning. Pitcher McKenna Bull had eight strikeouts. The Cougars play Oregon State today at 4 Eastern. The Ducks are 30-0, and it took a BYU error to win the game against BYU. Wow. How about that? And Mitch Matthews signs a free agent contract with the Minnesota Vikings. Congratulations to Mitch. Another guy we just talked to, uh, Jordan Pendleton, about that trained with Jordan. Hmm. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Tom Ferry. We have talked about uh, his interest in Jimmer Fredette. Outside the Lines will air this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. 9 a.m. Excuse me, 9 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Mountain Time for those watching in Utah. Tom, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, great to be here. Why did Jimmer Fredette initially interest you as uh, a special piece that we're going? That we're all excited to see on Sunday morning? Yeah, well, he was a special player, right, back in college. I mean, he he got a lot of people excited a few years ago um, with the run there at BYU and got taken in the NBA and then it, it you know, stuck around for a few years. Um, but then he moved on. And then and when we heard he was in China and he was leading the league in scoring and ultimately just recently was named the MVP, we said, what's going on here? And people seem to be really responding to him. He turned a team around over there, and so we hopped on a plane and went to Shanghai and tried to understand Jimmer Mania Phase 2. To some degree, Tom, you want to keep it spoiler-free, right? You want people to watch the piece and learn the most, but what are some of the things that you learned about Jimmer in this process? Well, he's a great guy, number one. I mean, he's one of the most approachable athletes. I've I've been doing this for 25, 30 years. One of the most approachable, down-to-earth, humble uh, decent guys uh, I've ever dealt with. I really enjoyed my time with him. I also really appreciated, and I think the Chinese people appreciate, how much he has inserted himself in and in, in respected the culture over there. You know, a lot of a lot of players go go to China. It's a short four month season. You can make a lot of money, but it's a you know it can be a pretty confusing place. It's a different language, different culture, different food, and it's easy just to kind of keep yourself in your own apartment. And and just watch ESPN all you know all day and and Jimmer does his fair watching of ESPN but he he also gets out you know he hops on the subway and he tries different foods and he's learned a little bit of the language and and generally he's just been uh, has really embraced everything that comes along with being uh, a basketball player in China and you know China is a huge country and actually has more people. Uh, who are fans of the game than actually live in the United States. So I think the culture saw that and uh, and and responded to him, and they embraced him back. So now he's uh, he's loved up in China. 
Tom Ferry, ESPN journalist, two-time Emmy Award winner with us on BYU Sports Nation, the man behind the documentary piece, The Lonely Master, Jimmer Fredette, that we will watch on Sunday morning via ESPN. Can you explain to us what Jimmer mania through the eyes of a fan is like in China? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, if you're a Shanghai Sharks fan, it means you're winning a heck of a lot more than you're winning, we're winning in the past. <laughs> They've been, a, uh, uh, I mean, you know, this is the team that Yao, Yao Ming came up through before he joined the NBA, but they haven't done anything since then. They've been sort of bottom of the barrel for a number of years. Jimmer gets over there. The players look at him and say, that's your import? I mean, he's 6'2", he's skinny, <laughs> he's not your typical uh, NBA player. And, and then he just starts lighting it up, and they start winning. Uh, they had a great record this year, one of the top you know, uh, three or four teams in the, uh, in the entire league. So the Shanghai Sharks fans who were, I mean, maybe a 1,000 of them or so were going to games at the start of the season. By the end, they were selling, you know, by the midseason, they were selling out. Uh, so I think Sharks fans just love the fact that he's, he's productive. Um, but I also think people over there see something additional in him. As, as one of the fans told us, they said, you know, he, he, he's like a Chinese guy. And I think what he meant by that is he's, um, he's, he's very family first and he's very humble and he is, you know, seems to have values that are consistent, um, with those that, uh, that a lot of people in China appreciate. So I, I think there was a really interesting, uh, cultural connection there. I'm trying to remember, <clears throat> I know it's been, uh, what, a, a couple weeks since you shot the piece, but he had a baby in the, <laughs> during the season where he flew back uh, to Denver, and then he flew back to China. A pretty crazy sequence for him, I think, right? Yeah, you know, it's hard. You know, the thing about China is, it's li- because we all know it's literally on the other side of the, the earth, um, when he is awake... People are asleep over here, so it's hard to connect as much you, as, as you want. Um, you know, there's no Facebook in China. There's no Twitter. The government doesn't allow it. Um, so you can feel a little bit disconnected. And, you know, he's got, he's got, uh, he's got his wife, and, and now he has a baby, his first, his first kid, and, and she had a complicated pregnancy. And uh, I think it was not easy on him being that far apart from uh, her. And so he... We let the team know very early on, and look, I would really like to head back and uh, be there for the birth of my first child. And they haven't always teams haven't always been responsive to that over there because they really do care about winning their games. Uh, but he made it a priority, and he's such a such a good guy that they they let him do that. And in fact, on you know the eve of their first playoff game, he uh, he missed it. He, he 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 flew back to to Denver and was there for for the birth uh, of, of of the first kid and. Uh, and they came back, and they won the next couple games, and ultimately they, they lost in five games in the first round of the playoffs. So, yeah, his absence probably had an effect on whether the team advanced or not, but I think, you know, Jimmer's priorities were such that, uh, you know, he, he really wanted to be with family, and I, and I think people over there, you know, uh, understood and appreciated that. I think everybody is always looking at the next potential landing spot for Jimmer Fredette, especially after being named the international MVP in the Chinese Basketball Association. What do you think is the next thing for Jimmer Fredette in his professional basketball career? You know, I think he's going to be, he's going to have, uh, hopefully he's going to have a, a, a difficult decision to make here. Um, clearly, he has real opportunities in China. Um, he was paid well uh, this year and had a couple of sponsorships, and he's going to get more moving forward um, if he decides to return to China. So financially, 
uh, it, it probably makes sense to stay in China, um, to go back and do it for a number of years. Um, he can actually help the, the Chinese basketball culture advance over there because people have fallen in love with him so much and they like the flair in his game and the creativity and it's what they want their players to be. And so it sparks imaginations. And so he can have a real impact on, on, you know, the basketball and the largest basketball loving country in the world. That's pretty attractive. Um, especially if he can bring his family over there. Having said that, I, you know, I think the NBA is, is still an, an itch. He wants to, uh, scratch, um, see if he can nail. I mean, it didn't work out as well as he wanted, uh, on the first go. Didn't work out with the, you know, a little success with the Kings, but not what he expected. And then, you know, three three other teams, short stints, didn't work out. So, I don't know. Uh, you know, the NBA may have just kind of made up its mind on Jimmer. On the other hand, the NBA may say to itself, well, look, you know, Steph Curry is, um, you know, a guy of roughly the same size. It can put it up from everywhere. And, you know, defense isn't his strength, just as it isn't, you know, maybe Jimmer's strength. Um, so, Maybe maybe some team says to itself, "Hey, you know, we want to score. We need to score." And, and Jimmer's that guy, great teammate. Uh, give him a chance. It's going to take the right coach in the right situation. But if Jimmer is, you know, not guaranteed, but really gets a sense he's going to get real minutes on an NBA team, uh, you know, wouldn't surprise me to see him back here as well. Tommy's got this nickname, the Lonely Master, and I know, I imagine you guys will explore that in the piece uh, in the tease that I saw online. Can you tell us a little bit about that nickname and how he got it and what's going on there? Yeah, well, you know, they have a term called Jimo uh, Dachen, which means uh, the lonely god. Um, and I think maybe because of his name, Jimmer, it, you know, Jimo Jimmer, uh, it, it got started um, and people ran with it. Um, and at first, Jimmer was a little bit alarmed by it. He thought, well, you know, um, I don't want to be lonely. I'm not lonely of a guy. But, but what they mean <laughs> over there is, you know, it sounds like this, you know, guy stuck in a, in a closet or something. But, no, it, what it means is that you were so good that you were above all others. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I can handle that. Um, so they ran with it, and, and, and he ran with it. And uh, it's it's just really taken off, and he he is it means lonely god. But Jimmer, you know, modest guy that he is, he's not really comfortable with the idea of being called a god. Um, maybe Saul's not consistent with his values or, or his religious orientation, but he prefers religious. Uh, I'm sorry, he prefers uh, lonely master. So that's how he refers himself. Um, and but it technically means lonely god. He is a demigod around these parts, though. I'll tell you that. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. Hey, Tom, great stuff. Uh, we appreciate the time that you have given us, and we look forward to watching uh, Jimmer in China this Sunday morning, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain, on ESPN Outside the Lines. Thanks, Tom. All right. Enjoy, guys. Tom Ferry on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. I thought that was a very entertaining and uh, insightful interview on uh, on Jimo Dachan. One of the more intriguing stories in professional basketball, right? I mean, he's Jimmer for debt. And he will he join goes. us tomorrow. Jimmer's yeah. going to be on the show tomorrow. Wherever so, he goes, he attracts a crowd. I, amazing that they had a thousand fans coming to watch basketball games early in the season and selling out. Mid-season. Bigger that Outside the Lines is doing the story than anything you did in China for me. Hey, up next, some controversial topics like pancakes or waffles for breakfast. Which is better? Uh, yeah. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Studio B on a Friday. You know, 
This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Daily rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. And tomorrow we will be live at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Jimo Dashen will join us. People are like, what? Jimmer Fredette, uh, the Lonely Master, will be on the show. Eric Drage as well, all-timer receiver for BYU football. Tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Just You could be at home in your pajamas, uh, you know, pancakes or waffles or crepes or whatever. Hang out with us. It's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. What have we learned about BYU football this spring? Today is the 15th and final practice for the Cougars. They just wrapped up a few minutes ago. That is our Twitter question today. At SABYU fan says, We learned that Jerem Jordan's Ty Detmer impression is taking shape and has potential for fall with a dedicated workout regimen. Yeah, I think if I hit the voice workout room uh, really hard during the offseason, I, I think I've got some potential. But, you know, in the rain, I don't perform as well. I had a few verbal interceptions. You know, some people were asking some oh, questions not, about my voice. Another not-so-subtle shot yeah. at Tanner Mango. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, your Ty Detmer impersonation is really good. I'm, I'm still oh, working thanks. on Walton. i got to get it to the level yeah, of your no, Ty Detmer. I think that your Bill Walton's better than my Ty. No, oh, I do. No, man. But that's a subject for another yeah. day. In fact, we do the show every day. We've got an entire summer. We could bust out Bill. Later, but just just give us one Robert Ory reference. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, terrible defensive play by Robert Ory. (laughs) (laughs) On my Facebook timeline, you know how it flashes back to things? My my wife (laughs) took a picture. We didn't take a picture with Bill. I just had her near Bill, and I took a picture, (laughs) and it showed up the other day from the Mercer game. I was like, oh, yeah, Billy. There he is, one of a kind. Hey, we love competition, obviously, and games, and in our case— Besting one another. So Jeremy and I, under the supervision of Ben Bagley and others, have conjured up a new game. We call it Toss-Up. Not complicated. Two options. New to us. You got to pick one or the other. So let's go to Ben in the newly renovated BYUSN clubhouse. Ben? Hey, hey guys. Did you say we, we, we created this or straight ripped it off? We, there's not a show called Pardon the Interruption that does this, right? No. no, no. Okay. Just check it. Just check it. All right. All right, guys. Number one, toss up. More NFL snaps this season. Taysom Hill or Mitch Matthews? <laughs> oh. Starting with the big guns. I'm going Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill gets more NFL snaps. That includes exhibitions. Really? Yeah. Mitch Matthews. I have no explanation as to why. Just Mitch Matthews is going to have more NFL snaps. Oh, I'm shocked you took that side of this. Are you? Number two, Ben. Toss-up BYU dual sport athlete Matt Red Lightning Bushman will have more hits in baseball or TDs in football this season. Ooh. TD. TDs in football, Ben, because I'm not sure how much he's going to play in baseball. He hasn't really played up to this point, so I think he'll have more TDs, and I think he will have multiple TDs. Now, touchdowns. if it were 2017 football and 2018 baseball, then, then it's a different conversation, but I'm with you. I think he will have more touchdown this catches this year. Yeah. this year compared to hits in baseball. I'm not saying he's not a great baseball player because he is, but... Let's see him play before we evaluate He's him. He's becoming right? he a play. favorite target quickly of Tanner Mangum, yeah, and that makes a big difference. His three TDs in spring ball don't count, guys. That's not already three TDs. <laughs> Wait, what? The three <laughs> TDs in spring ball don't count. I'm he doesn't look already at have you three like TDs. you're right next to me. Like <laughs> yeah, how how ben, hey, can you not ben include those? Are you serious? Yeah. All right, what's the, the next I one? I just love the clubhouse. Number three. <laughs> Toss up better, bitter St. Mary's face. Spencer Linton or Gell's right fielder Joel Vernish. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yesterday, Joe 
is the one that uh, had the surrender cobra. AKA, you know, oh, what? Uh, against BYU because Keaton Kringlin had the inside the park home run. Oh. So here we're seeing it on BYU TV. We'll tweet this out. Tanner will tweet it out. Uh, <laughs> the better St. Mary's face is yours. I'm clearly so, I'm so ugly. Clear, we see oh. every one of your teeth in that too. Oh, I'm so unattractive <laughs> in that photo. Like you already I, got married. You're good. Still. My wife and posterity right now are like, I can't believe you. You have two kids and they're boys. Your name is already like gonna keep going. I have one daughter. I need a boy. (laughs) It's so bad. Although Joe (laughs) Branish, his expression, I felt sorry for him. I didn't. (laughs) BYU took the lead. Oh, I mean, I have sympathy for the opponent. That was that moment. That was the ultimate. Gaff. He didn't get hurt, but he was emotionally part. bruised. Yeah. You're right. yeah, surrender Cobra. He's questionable tonight with emotional bruising. More entertaining, but in terms of like better, bitter St. Mary's face, like I'm so unattractive in that photo that, that it's going to be tough to beat that. <laughs> <laughs> number four. Wait, wait. Before we get to number four, just one question. If you combined the surrender Cobra oh, no. and the bitter St. Mary's face, oh, would no. it look something like this? Oh, no. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> you have to open your mouth like this. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you go. Uh, now we're talking. That's okay. a looker right there. Alrighty, yeah. All right, toss up number four. Better breakfast option while watching the BYU Sports Nation Conference special: pancakes or waffles? This is not even close. Or Jeremy. crepes with this your not, pancakes not even for the close. week. It's waffles by a nautical mile. Waffles over pancakes all day, every day. End of debate. It's, it's not close. A waffle is just a formed pancake. Pancake is no, like no. lava. A waffle is like Maui. <laughs> I just watched what? Moana last what? night. Well formed. What? <laughs> a cra- oh. And a crepe is a pancake for the week, by the way. Like, oh, I ate 12 crepes. That's like two pancakes. Don't you can't be bragging crepes? about quantity of Don't crepes. Don't attack crepes and the, the answer, French. The answer is waffles. You're right. Yeah, waffles. 100% That was a long answer time. just to agree with you. Man, they they're the texture. Yeah, I, I know that they're made primarily from the same base materials. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's the it's texture. Ma- the texture makes it taste different. It's it's more appealing. The that subtle crunch is delicious. The subtle, need, cr- yeah, yeah. It's you delicious. Put, put some fruit on there. Mm. Some whipped cream. Belgian waffle. Oh, why does it matter what country? I'm so like, hungry right why, now. By the way, why can't I have an American waffle? Like, why does Belgium? corner the market on waffles did they were they the first ones to create that specific type of waffle probably no they were just the first one to trademark it <laughs> legally probably <laughs> uh, we saved the best for last clearly in toss up and you're both wrong it is pancakes oh, oh. get out of here pancakes on, it is pancakes you're right pancakes ha up next on BYU Sports Nation if you missed anything we're going to update you via the Cougar Whip Around let's hang out in the clubhouse some more BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Big thanks to this Friday exam show and the guests, Jordan Pendleton and Tom Ferry of ESPN's Outside the Lines. He is the man behind Jimmer Fredette's documentary piece that we will all watch, or most of you should watch, 9 Eastern 7 a.m. Mountain, Sunday morning. And coming up tomorrow, BYUSN General Conference pregame show, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Jim Fredette and Eric Drage will be on the show. Let's whip it! Yeah!
It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. The 15th and final spring practice just wrapped up. It's Alumni Day. Receiver Eric Drades will join us tomorrow, as mentioned. Baseball. The Batcats beat St. Mary's 7-6 after Keaton Kringlin hit a two-run inside the park homer in the seventh inning. Same two teams tonight. 8 Eastern live on BYU TV and the app. Softball. Cougars beat, or excuse me, lost one nothing to third-ranked Oregon in Eugene yesterday. BYU plays Oregon State today for Eastern time. Cougars in the NFL. Mitch Matthews signed with the Minnesota Vikings. He's one of eight receivers on the current Vikings roster. Not guaranteed a roster spot, but will have a chance to earn one of those in the offseason as well as a training camp. Volleyball. Off the block projects uh, BYU in the NCAA tournament as a three seed and playing six seed King in the first round. Gymnastics. BYU will be the sixth seed in the Seattle NCAA regional competition tomorrow at 7 Eastern. The Cougars, one of 36 teams to make it to one of those six regional tournaments. Tennis. After a win over San Diego at home, the men's team travels to the great Pacific Northwest today to take on Portland. The women's team hosts Gonzaga in a WCC matchup today, 2 Eastern at the BYU Tennis Court. Golf. The men's team currently fifth place at 8 over par after round one of the Goodwin at Stanford. They will play their second round tomorrow. Track and field. The team split up between California and Texas this weekend. Tatenda Tsuma ran a non-wind-aided 100-meter prelim of 10:19, sixth all-time tied in BYU history. The mid-distance and distance runners are competing at the Stanford Invitation. Cougars in the PGA. Zach Blair is currently tied for fifth at seven under par through 17 holes in his second round of the <laughs> Shell Houston Open. Jerem? Men's basketball. An assistant professor at IUPUI. Louis Pooey is what they call it. Estimates BYU's worth, BYU Hoops is worth $26.1 million if bought and sold like a pro team. Interesting. Yeah. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Keaton Kringlin inside the park home run for the win. First time Woo. in eight years. What have we learned about BYU football this spring? Our elite tweet of the day from at Crazy Coop Fanatic. Our reign as preseason national champs remains intact. <laughs> it's so true. Hey, the conversation continues on Twitter 24-7. Use hashtag BYUS. Show on demand. BYUSN.com. Download the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Chad Nakapoy. We'll see you tomorrow. Saturday special, 11 Eastern. Shimodashin.